I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Can you say the letter C? All right, welcome back, CC Hunt Files. Uh, man, we are we're getting close to Christmas. This is this will be right before uh, right before Christmas holidays. If you guys got last minute gift ideas that you're scratching your heads on for people, um, yeah, don't forget our sponsors that make the podcast go around. Grizzly Coolers, code WCB, between hard coolers, soft coolers. I mean, tumblers. Um, they got hoodies, shirts, hats. Check them out. Save you a little bit of money there. Black Ovis, code WCB10. They've got a million and one things that you could use from stocking stuffers all the way up to gift cards, puffy jackets. Um, hell, you can get a gift card now, I believe, for the Aero ID Builder, which is really cool for 3D season right around the corner and everybody getting um, wound back up for turkey season and all that will be coming up in a few months. So check them out. Novix Tree Stands. Man, uh God, I live out of those things pretty much all year, but especially late season. If you still need a gift for maybe, I don't know, if you're a wife listening to this and husband, or maybe it's, you know, you're a dude looking for your brother or a good hunting buddy or whatever, stands, sticks, um, the Hilo, the Echo, the Minis, the tall sticks. Uh, I'm a, I'm an Echo and a four long stick guy, but um, definitely check them out. Um, God, that's a gift that, you know, realistically from the start of season to the end of season, I'm, I'm living out of that. So that'd be a hell of a gift for somebody. If someone needs that, I know they've got some good deals running right now. And then last but not least Hunter's box club, shout out to our man, uh, probably arguably best teeth and best hair out there on the mountain. Shout out to Devin 29.99. Get your first box shipped to your door. Uh, I believe they're still running the deal with no shipping on that, on that first box. And then you're locked in every month cancel whenever you want. I know they've got some really cool shirts in the works for that. Um, speaking of shirts and merch, we will get into what our special guest this week's got to offer. But he's also got some good stocking stuffers and gifts for those that uh, might need a Christmas present. And we will touch on that here in a second. Um, but, uh, yeah, without further ado, he's a uh, – oh, this is – I think 
what is this your second or third one i believe second or third podcast with us something like that maybe even yeah, more than third. yeah maybe even more than that hell we might be on four because you've done a couple and then one with connor but without uh further ado yeah martin shagnovich from out there in good old salt lake utah martin my man how we doing howdy howdy doing good doing good Doing good. I just I feel like I just saw you a week or two ago because it was just a week or two ago, and that's already flown by. I wish I was still on the mountain chasing mule deer with you, but unfortunately that season has come to an end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, the last conversation we had was a pretty good one, though. With, yeah, uh, yeah, it was the Mowgli buck, the America's most wanted mule deer. Oh man, yeah, that. That, that was a good one. That really was. That was a good one. That's still pretty crazy that that all come together the way it did. And, um, well, yeah, let's uh, tell you what, Martin, uh, for those that don't know who you are, give us the rundown um, on who the hell you are, what you do, and then definitely before we forget, man, um, plug your merch and stuff because we were talking about stocking stuffers and Christmas gifts, and, and if you got any deals going on, by all means, because I know how, how this is going to go, we're going to get into all this stuff and forget at the end, so... You know, go ahead and plug your stuff now, man. You've got um, some badass hoodies and shirts and hats and different things. So by all means, um, throw that out there when you talk about kind of what you're doing for a living. That way we don't forget it. Yeah. Um, so I do full-time content right now, YouTube and Instagram. Uh, I've been doing this for four years now. I think January uh, will be year three on my own. I'm starting year three on my own. That's awesome. Uh, I, I did two years with Hush, the Get Hush and Crew. I filmed and edited for them, ran their social media, um, and then ventured out on my own. Um, but yeah, this is this is full time for me out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Primarily a bow hunter, but I do dabble uh, in a few gun hunts. Um, but my heart's with bow hunting. Um, yeah, you can you can grab my stuff on chagoutdoors.com. C H A G chagoutdoors.com i have hats and shirts um not a ton of inventory actually right now i'm kind of trying to uh, build up for the hunt expo that's going to go down in february yep but definitely have stuff available if you guys want to uh, hop on and check that out that'd be appreciated um but yeah full time i i uh, kind of did it some social media posts today some q a's on my instagram actually talking about that and how to how i just got to where how i am where i am now how other people can get to that point. Uh, I always get questions about that, so I did. I just did a Q&A on that actually today. Well, that's awesome, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, that is something. I mean, and for you being kind you know, I mean, you're still, you know, uh, a, what considered a pretty young guy. I mean, you're, you know, mid-20s now. I mean, you know, it is um, – it's pretty cool to have, you know, I've known you a couple of years now and got to, you know, hunt with you quite a bit and, and met you through, you know, through Devin and got to be good buddies with, you know, you and Connor and Casey and everybody out there and kind of through Devin. But um, it's been cool to to kind of watch you grow your brand and, and, and kind of, you know, chase your passion and, and, and your love, which, you know, ultimately all comes down to what I really want to talk about today. And that's basically chasing giant animals, whether it's uh, bull elk or, you know, big 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 not just big but really big mule deer um you know that's kind of been your knack um well before i met you but since i've met you um you know that's really primarily you know the only thing you're focusing on um is you know the biggest buck and biggest bull on the mountain and and it's really cool because we've talked about this before but you know there's a lot of people that claim um 
I'm only going to shoot a giant. Um, I only want to kill the biggest bull, the biggest buck, the oldest bull, the oldest buck. That gets thrown around a lot. Um, but to actually watch a guy live that out, and like I said, I've got to really firsthand see you do it for the last three years. Um, you know, it's one thing to say I'm going to do that, and then it's another thing to actually go out and do it. And you're one of the few that really, really have dedicated your craft to only chasing and killing, you know, the biggest bulls and the biggest bucks in arguably the toughest unit to kill big bulls and big bucks on. Um, you know, no surprise that you're out there in Salt Lake, you're hunting on the front. Um, that's not some major secret, so we're not going to act like it's a big secret, but man, I just, I want to dive into that. I want to dive into your season and, and just kind of like, you know, your, your thoughts on, a topic that's kind of it's talked about but it's sort of in a way like it's kind of like sidestepped a little bit i think i think there's a little bit of like a stigma about that where it's almost people like roll their eyes at it and and i don't you know i don't think that should be attached to it i honestly think it's it's for lack of better terminology really fucking cool and it's it's what i do in the whitetail world um you know and, and i just I think that's really cool, man, like that you stick to your guns like that so hard and it pays off. I mean, this year's a prime example. Um, so I want to, I want to run through your year, man, run through your year. Um, you know, you had a hell of a hunting season. Let's, uh, let's just start from the absolute very beginning. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think, uh, before I dive into it, it yeah, I agree. It's a, it's, a, I think it's an important conversation to have, yep. um, especially as a public land hunter. Yep. Um, and there's a lot more to it than just the animals right. wanting to kill a big animal. Yep. Like we, my mindset going into it is from a management standpoint, yep. herd, herd health, um, overall experience for the, the general hunter, not just me. Right. And, um, so there's a lot of different things that actually go in, into it. Uh, when I, when I, you know, choose to hunt the biggest animal I could find or the oldest buck I could find. Yep. Um, so yeah, definitely a cool, uh, interesting conversation. I'm excited to talk to you about. Um, but yeah, things started for me. Uh, I mean, there's never an end. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not kidding. Right. I spend 300 of 365 days on the on the mountain. Yep. Um, but we can kind of. For big game, um, I would say it starts in in June. Mm -hmm. uh, I start getting out in the high country, and there's typically a lot of snow still because we're I'm working at ten thousand feet right. uh, elevation out here. Yep. Um, but you can tend bull elk are pretty well grown come June, yep. and the mule deer are just starting to grow. July is really when you get into the mule deer. So I'll get out and I'll start scouting. Um, typically. Oh, five days a week. I'll I'll try to make it a goal to get out. Mm -hmm. Just cover the entire unit, um, covering ground, blasting some high points, trying to pick out the best buck I can find going mm -hmm. into August, which is when our archery season starts. So I'll cover a different spot. I'll hit every spot I can um, for about a month, mm -hmm. and then come August, I usually try to have narrowed it down to one to three two bucks that yep. are the best ones and then i'll i'll spend the remaining two weeks of the summer um watching that buck and trying to understand him the best i can 
Now, do you feel like, um, do you feel like you have to spend more time looking for a big buck or a big bull and what, like, what's the difference between the two? Cause I mean, you love to hunt both, but are you putting more emphasis on bucks and if so, why or vice versa, like in the summer, like, are you concentrated? Do you feel like it's harder to figure out or maybe it's, there's more benefit to looking for bucks because you're going to hunt them early. Whereas, you know, typically you don't hunt elk until it's the rut September. And you, you know, you usually don't get real serious on bulls till like September say. So do you feel like you're, you're looking more so there's more done in the scouting season for bucks than bulls. Is that kind of your main, I guess, target in the June, July month? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the elk, end up rutting in a different area right. than where they're summering. Yep. So for me, it, it doesn't do me much good to go look at a bowl. Right. Um, it, it's fun too, mm-hmm. but I would, I would rather use that day to go look at a buck Yep. and uh, watch a buck because with the hunt starting August 20th or 15th, mm-hmm. depending on the year, that buck will be in the same area as he is in July. Right. Whereas, Come August 15th, 20th, bulls are stripping their velvet and moving to a whole new location to right. where they will rub. Yep. So it, so it does me a lot um, better. Uh, it gives me a lot more information if I could put that, that time into a mule deer mm-hmm. versus, versus a bull. Yep. Um, I, I, do, I still have spent the time understanding where the bulls summer and whatnot just right. because I enjoy that yep. part in the learning connecting dots yep but for hunting it just doesn't do me any good so all the time goes to uh mule deer for the most part yep no that makes that makes perfect sense now um before we dive into i guess the hunting season and kind of leave the scouting season what's your main focus okay so you are you're wanting to find like a giant whether it's the biggest buck on the mountain or one of the biggest bucks, or maybe it's the oldest, you know, whatever's kind of tickling your fancy that year, but you're looking for a specific buck. What, if I had to say, okay, what are the two main things you're trying to figure out about this buck? Or maybe it's three, and you know, like things like, uh, you know, maybe it's where he beds, where he feet, you know, and, and I'm sure some people are going to think, well, that's pretty basic, genetic, you know, that's pretty standard, but why what are you really trying to learn? Like, what do you feel like is the most important thing to figure out scouting a giant mule deer that's living in the high country? Cause I mean, primarily we're talking, you know, you're in Utah, you're hunting high country, you know, you're in that nine to 10,000 feet, um, a lot above timberline or right at timberline, you know, early on, it's usually always above. So What's like the biggest, if I said, you know, okay, what's the one or two things that you're absolutely there at the top of your list? I've got to figure out this about this buck in order for me to have a good chance to kill him early on. I mean, what's, what's Martin's top one or two there? I would say, and I'm not, I'm not speaking because I'm a master at this at all. Like I, I haven't accomplished my goal in my eyes yet. And, and, but like, I'm not being, not being arrogant, but I have still learned a damn lot about oh, yeah. these, yeah. these animals in this. Yep. Um, 
So I'm still working towards that goal. But what I would say is, what is his home base? Yep. Like, where does he cross frequent mm-hmm. the most? What's his, it, whether it's a bed or a pinch point? Yep. Uh, from a tra- in a transition spot, mm-hmm. where is he the most? That and uh, that's where that summer scouting come, is so yep. crucial because you can watch him for a month mm-hmm. and 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 get that information. Yep. The second thing, being a public land hunter on a on a heavily hunted unit, yeah, is you need to know where is his second home. Yep. Where is the spot he runs to when yep. he feels heat? Yep. And and that is the hardest part because typically it's in a nasty, yeah, um, deep, thick area that mm-hmm. you can't glass from. Mm-hmm. And and most of the time with bow hunting, you fail. So yep. more, more than likely, you need to know where that second place is that he goes because yep. option one is going to fail. Yep. So those two things are the are I would say the number one priority going into the season. Now, that brings me up another question that I got to ask because I know there's people out there that are going to listen to this and be like, "Well, okay, how often is that?" utilize so in your opinion and i mean i know from being a good buddy and hunting with you and devin um and talking to you guys a lot you guys are very similar on this philosophy about finding that secondary living finding where a buck will go when he's pressured year to year you're always on a giant and you've got a ton of history and i don't know anyone that spends more time on the mountain than you so okay year to year do you think most of these giant mule deer, um, you know, we're, and we're usually talking pretty old mule deer. I mean, these are all, I would say, at least five, six years or older. Do you feel like that secondary security spot um, that they're going to have is a spot that they will have for a couple years, their whole life? Do you see a trend in that changes a lot? Like over the years, have you noticed, do a lot of bucks tend to want to have the same, I guess you could call, hidey hole for secondary living? Or do you feel like that changes a lot just from year to year? I'm I'm curious on what, I guess, what you've seen or kind of what your thoughts are there. Because like whitetails, typically a big buck, he will find a spot like that and that's that's pretty much his go-to like that's, you know, he's going to use that probably his whole life or somewhere close to that. Um, but you know, we're talking public land mule deer. I mean, that's, that's a little different and you're on this unit every year. So what have you seen? Is that a trend you've seen or no? Um, yes, I, I'd say so. And obviously there's, there's other factors that come into play. Like, I, I firmly believe one bad experience, uh, like he might have had a, a buck may have a spot that he likes, mm-hmm. but one bad experience there could change that. Okay. Yep. Um, and like I, I, I firmly believe that these animals are way smarter than mm-hmm. we than we understand. Yep. Um, and you know they don't have thumbs. They they don't quite have the thought process we do. But I think they they can put two and two together mm-hmm. to know. Hey, I about died right here. Um, yep. Maybe I shouldn't go here again and yep. figure out something new. Um, 
but yeah, I think for sure they get big for a reason and it's because they've found a spot where, um, hunting pressure is low hunt or if the hunting pressure is high, at least people can't come into them and take stocks, approach them easily. Yep. Maybe, maybe there's less cougars in that area because cats are a heavy, um, like they're a big predator here, uh, in Utah. Um, so that's another factor. Now, just for clarification, Martin, we're talking about four-legged cougars, not two-legged, right? Or both? Right. Well, you've got both. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the two-legged ones aren't as bad. Aren't as bad. So. Okay. I, I just, yeah. you know, I want to make sure our listeners that are four or five bush lights deep right now, or maybe they're on their second or third, you know, whiskey <laughs> coke. I, I just want to make sure they're following along that we are talking about four-legged, you know, cougars that actually could kill a mule deer, not, not you know, not one that that just might ride one, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. We're talking. We're talking mountain lions. Here. We're okay. Perfect. Perfect. We're talking. We're talking mountain. Okay. Good. We're talking. Talking mountain lions. All right. So. We're moving from, you know, summer scouting, super important. You, you've went through that. Um, now, usually at the end of summer scouting, you've got a giant picked out, which, you know, obviously, like I know from being your good buddy, you found a buck this year. He's a giant. Um, we talked about it a little bit on the other podcast we did with Connor and Mowgli. Um, yeah. So primarily now for this year, you – we're going to hunt that buck, and that was that's pretty much it, which is typically what you do every year. There's there's a buck, maybe two bucks max that, you know, would, would fit the bill for you. Um, yeah. Were hopes really high going into the early season? Like, because I know you put a ton of time um, in some pretty unforgiving country to try to figure this buck out. So well, I guess walk us through that a little bit. Um, not, spe- not like, you know, a specifics of, of like – where the buck lived, but just your thought process. Like, did you feel pretty confident in what your scouting had told you and what you had found? Like, you know, okay, now we're working into the end of August, Utah's archery season's going to open. Um, where were you at kind of with like confidence level on this specific giant that you're going to hunt this year? Yeah. Um, and so just for reference, when, when we're talking giant, um, I, these bucks that usually it's a 200 and, 15 yeah. plus inch mule deer yep and and typically like and typically every mule deer that i've found over that at that size has been over the over the age of seven yep so so very seasoned animals um yeah so going into this season i i would be lying if i like i was very discouraged mm-hmm. because it's been nothing but getting your your freaking face you know pounded oh yeah these things just they, they just kick the shit out of you <laughs> like yep. they, they really do they just <laughs> they beat do. you up like it's not even fun so so i don't have confidence speak because of my, all of my past experience but i also have confidence because of all of my past experience right double-edged sword um yes yeah, so i uh, i went into it as confident as I could be. Um, this year I've worked hard to where now I I'm full time with my content. So mm-hmm. I have more days than I could, you know, I know what to do with. Mm-hmm. I can, so I have plenty of time to put into this animal. I've done my scouting. I have him dialed. Like I'm talking this buck and I've never seen this before. Maybe on a white tail, they do this, but on a mule deer, I've never seen this, this buck 
I could put my scope, I could set my scope up in the dark and come first light, I knew he would be standing inside my scope. Holy my shit. That's how tight his pattern was. It, but I also knew that nine times out of ten, that buck wasn't going to be there at first light, and I would sit there until nine in the morning, right. and then he would get up. Yep. Wow. Which is which I've never seen this before. No, that's crazy. Typically, it's you have five minutes of light, yep. the first light to glass up, up yep. an animal, and yep. then they're bedding down. Yep, absolutely. This buck, this buck was bedded and then would wait an hour and a half into light, and then he would get up. Mm-hmm. And he would feed from one bed about 100 yards and then bed in his next bed, and that's where he would stay for the day. Wow. So Wait. he had a very tight pattern, and I think, and that's what led me to think this buck is the oldest deer that I've I've hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, very smart, very slow with his movements. I mean, this is in general. There would be a few times he was up early or a little right. bit further away, right? But nine times out of ten, he had a he was in this tight little pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very confident having that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the hunt, I, I, I was going to have a spotter. Um, my good buddy Davin was, uh, which we've talked about. He, uh, he was spotting for me. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was confident going into the hunt. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a decent guy to have on your squad. If you're looking for giant mule deer, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's ever killed any giants, but he, he's, he's pretty, pretty solid. I would say, <laughs> yeah. um, he's still working on it. Yeah. He, yeah. He I mean, he's yeah. got four or five over two thirty or two twenty five, whatever it is, which I mean, you know, and those are respectable bucks. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you can't take that away from him. I mean, they probably needed another year or two, but they're, they're definitely respectable. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Devin's, um, Devin is, um, you know, I've got to be really good buddies with him in the last four years and, and him and I do a lot of hunting together and you know, that it, Devin is a funny guy cause he's so upbeat and positive and he's always having a good time. But I'll tell you what, when he flips the switch and goes into mule deer mode, um, especially when a big buck's involved, I don't know if I'll ever be around a guy that turns into an assassin quicker than him. Um, that, that, that's a guy that, I mean, when he decides he's going to hunt a buck, you can almost count on, there's going to be a murder scene at some point. Um, and he's going to be the one that created it because I mean, the dude is just a trained killer. I mean, he, he's, he's a big buck serial killer with mule deer and you know, and, and I know you've got to hunt a lot with him over the years too. And I'm sure you've picked up on this, but when we're talking about legit giants, I mean, he's killed four or five, just stupid big. I mean, just go to his Instagram, um, world renowned bucks, like basically what Connor just killed, he's got like four or five of those. Um, he's got yeah. like four or five Mowgli's basically, which is nuts on a public land unit that gets hunted by a million guys. But the one right. thing that you've talked about, and it's made me think of Devin the whole time, and I'm glad we're talking about him now. You know, you view giant mule deer as a different creature compared to the rest of the herd, and Devin. He, you know, I have learned so much from him, and that's one of the things that he always says. You know, those giants, they do not act, 
think, react, or live like other mule deer. And I personally, now I don't have any, you know, I do not have um, anything close to, to what Devin has killed. You know, my biggest mule is a 190 from Colorado, but I've got to be around a lot of big mule deer with you and Devin and, and, and on my own adventures. And I have definitely picked up on that. I mean, a, a giant muley is a totally, totally, totally different creature than anything I've ever pursued. So the sheer difficulty of figuring out how to kill one of those bucks, um, yeah, I mean, you've almost got to be kind of a psychopath to like unlock the keys to figure out how to kill one of these animals. And I know that sounds crazy, but like, I think you'd agree with me on that. I mean, you've almost oh. got to be nuts to like, <laughs> no. to do this Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. And like, if you look across the board, like, and it's nothing against these guys because I mean, I wish I was them, but these guys that do consistently kill big mule deer, they're a little different. Oh now. yeah. Yep. Like, like, Maybe it's like, and Devin's like a weird exception. He, he does is. it all. He is like, like it kind of pisses me off. Like he, <laughs> he, he can be, he can be freaking the, you know, the the face of a the party or whatever. Yep. The, yep. You know, the life of the party. Life but of the he party. Can also, he can kill a. He could just walk up and kill an elk in the rut, no problem. Then he goes up and he shoots a two hundred twenty inch buck. Yep. Like he, Devin is an exception to the rule. He really is. But but most of the time, those mule deer guys are a little different. Yep. And and I'm kind of that way to an extent. I'm yep. a very lone wolf like Yep, you have to be. Like you have to be. Yeah, and yeah, so I mean, it's just that it's it takes a different personality I think to really want to truly figure out these bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and for the most part, I mean, yes, there can be some really nice deer that have good genetics and and at a, at a young age, yep. you know. Yep. Look nice. But for the most part, antler size is equivalent to age yep um and those older bucks are just so smart they're seasoned Mm -hmm. i mean they know exactly what they need to do to survive and and when i'm i'm talking i'm talking with a gun typically because with or i mean a bow sorry uh with a gun it's just it's different it's a lot a lot more simple but with a bow getting a buck of that size is is almost an impossible feat yeah yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it truly is. Um, when I sit back and think about it, it's almost like you're on Mission Impossible every day. But there's yeah. that little glimmer that keeps you coming back. And you have to hold on to that. And there's people right now that would be like, that doesn't fucking sound like any fun. These two have to be nutcases to enjoy this. And there again, like it, it does take a different breed of thinking and it's a type two type of fun to love to chase high country mule deer with your bow. Because I mean, it, it, it really, <laughs> you just said it, it, there's a lot about it that honestly is not fun. Um, it's definitely not type one fun type two, maybe, but type one, like, Hey, I'm going to go ride my bike fun. Hey, I'm going to go shoot my basketball at the park fun. No, there's not a lot about this that is like fun, what most would consider fun. But that's what makes it really cool. Like that's what makes this, yeah. you know, that's what makes it cool. Um, and, and you know, the buck you were chasing, you've got him on this pattern. Like we were talking to circle back to that. You know, you, you've got him on this pattern. 
you're really figuring this buck out and then season starts and then you know it's like okay here we go it's downhill from there (laughs) right so walk us yeah walk us into that because i mean you know i'm your buddy i get to know these things but for those that you know don't know you and, and are just now following along with this story like you know we're into season. You got Devin coming up there to help you glass. I couldn't think of a better glasser and a better guy to be up there to help you. Um, okay. Now, now where are we at with confidence? I mean, are, are, are you thinking in your mind in that first week, this buck's dying, like you're killing him or are you starting to really question the game plan or is the game plan rock solid? You just need the buck to do what he needs to do. Well, the game plan's rock solid. Nice. There, the, kicker now is there are other hunters after the buck you're shitting me on the front there's other guys hunting that deer (laughs) so believe it or not there are other hunters okay um so that that i mean that throws yep a new like problem into the mix yep because because it's public land so Mm -hmm. they can be there Mm -hmm. and it's also competitive hunters oh yeah that like, uh, to, I don't know how to say it, but they could give a shit about you, you know, and you mm-hmm. could give a shit about them. So like, mm-hmm. everybody's out there for themselves in a in a way. Um, and I'm not just speaking in that instance. I mean, right. like oh, in yeah. general. Yep. That no. Oh yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I could rattle off 15 guys right now without even question that are bow hunters that are straight up excuse my French, but they're fucking killers that you and Devin are hunting around and call it what it is, but you're hunting against you're you're hunting with however you want to look at it. It's, it's, you know, you guys are all hunting the same deer. Um, there's 10 to 15 of those guys, not counting you and Devin and they're all murderers. They're all killers. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're hunting, um, you're the only alpha and there's a bunch of peasants running around that you're dealing with. No, like you're dealing with 10 to 15 guys that are killing big deer every year and know they know what the fuck they're doing. So it's not like right. it's you they versus all- the mountain and a buck. It's you versus the mountain and a buck. And you're racing against another guy that wants this deer just as bad as you. And has the same skill set as you. So it's like, imagine a bunch of Tom Brady's in the NFL um, constantly competing against each other. I mean, that's a, it's a fucking mess. Like, you know, which, which really makes it, you know, it's, it's cool um, when you're the guy that comes out on top, but it's, it's also not cool when you're in love with a buck that's being hunted by seven other just off the wall, crazy lunatic bow hunters that are very skilled at what they do as well. Like the, 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 the competition level is very high out there and it's good bow hunters. It's like I said, it's not a bunch of peasants running around that don't know what they're doing. I mean, there's a lot of killers out there in that unit, like straight up. Yeah. They know what the, they know what's up. Yeah. No, that, that you, you can set it better. Um, that's, that's what it is. And unfortunately there's only one deer, right? right. So, right. So, um, even if you could kill that deer at some point, you might not just because somebody else has a better, yep. uh, you know, some better luck or makes the right play and, right. and they, they get it. So, 
So that's definitely something going into this opening day that was a worry. And, yep. um, um, but I knew, and I said it, I said it going into the, going into the hunt. I said, man, there's going to be one opportunity on this spot. Yep. And if it gets blown, mm-hmm. it's going to be almost impossible to kill this guy. Right. Um, and that's pretty much what happened. So opening day hits and, um, everybody's kind of positioned. Mm-hmm. They've got a spotter about 20 yards away from Devin <laughs> yep. sitting there. Uh, you know, we, whatever it's whatever, but that they, they've got a spotter sitting there. I'm positioned in a spot yep. and then they have two, two hunters positioned somewhere. I don't know where. Yep. Um, it's a pretty slow morning, a lot of suspense and mm-hmm. dissipation, piercing silence. And we're about two hours into, uh, daylight. Yep. And I get hit on the radio, which is legal in Utah. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, Devin has spotted the buck and remind, let me, and just remind everybody the buck was, that's when he was typically getting up out of his bed. Right. Right. So the buck had just stood up and, uh, had begun feeding. Yep. So I took off and this was my error. Um, I dropped in lower than I should have. Mm -hmm. Um, so I start dropping in from above onto this buck and, I hadn't walked that face. I hadn't been on that face yet because mm-hmm. I didn't want to disturb the buck in the right. summer. And everything's different when you oh, move yeah. from glass point to the hillside. Yep. And so I dropped in a touch too low and I had to work my way back towards the buck. Yep. And that, that, that killed about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, they, other hunters, they still didn't know about the deer. So we were, we were good. Yep. Um, I made my way in and I got the buck was still feeding when I got to him and I was 35 yards away mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe it because I mean, very few times had I knowingly been this close to right. a tar- my target buck of, of this magnitude. Yep. Like, so just that accomplishment alone, watching his antlers move mm-hmm. around as he being in these stunted quakies was amazing. Yep. But I had no shot. It's just the, these short aspens that grow and they, they're very thick and oh, hard yeah. to see it. Um, along with brush and pine. So I can only see his antler tips, mm-hmm. but on the range, he has no idea I'm there. Uh, I, I watch him for about 10, 15 minutes and he feeds up towards the pine trees he beds in. Yep. And I move with him and now I get 25 yards away from this buck but he beds down and he beds down in the worst bed that he could possibly pick. Oof. Well, the best bed he could possibly pick, but the right. worst bed. Worst, for me. Yeah. Worst bed for you. There's, there's about four beds in this patch of pine trees, mm-hmm. all of which I shoot right now. I'm looking into these pine trees, but he is in this tiny little, mm-hmm. little, dugout hole with pine trees covering him like almost touching his head that the pine tree sits so low that he has to duck mm-hmm. and uh i have no shot and he's bedded facing uphill and so i sit down and i'm just kind of trying to think what an angle could be or my next move right and typically in the summertime those thermals at this point are just continuing to blow uphill yep. all day yep but 
we had a storm roll in at 10:30, I believe. Oh no! Drop, dropping them, and and the wind the wind shifted, and as soon as that wind shifted, that buck blew out of there. Mm-hmm. No, 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 standing and looking at me. No, yep, he knew. No second thought, he yep. blew right out. Yep. Um, he got 200 yards away, gave me the classic mule deer look back. Um, at about 180, 200 yards away, yep. and he blew out into the the thick pines, and he was gone. Mm. Uh, that's so, a that's a killer. So the hunt was on from that point on, still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hunted him for two more weeks and didn't see him a single day. I, tra- I didn't see a trace of him, anything mm-hmm. for two more weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of led us to September where I, I decided it was time to hunt some elk. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going to guess just cause I know how these big animals are and, and I've been a, you know, a bow only guy for so long when you chase giants around, whether it's white tails, black bears, mule deer, elk, you typically don't get a second or third opportunity. So that was probably just an absolute gut punching. Just, I'm sure that was just awful. A kick to the nuts, whatever you want to call it, because you know how hard it is to get tight like that. Right. And then for that to actually not pan out to where you get to draw the bow back, bend the limbs back, and, and put an arrow in that buck, um, that was probably you know, a, a gut wrencher because, you know, oh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's like you said, a lot of times you only get a opportunity. Um, and when it, when it folds and all the cards are gone and, and, and they flip the, you know, they flip the hand over and it's not what you thought it, it you know, you're kind of left scratching your head. Um, right. it, like, you know, and this is what's tough about public land hunting is my approach would have been different had I not had other hunters there. Right. So what I do want to touch on is they have a spotter who has, when I was sneaking in, has now seen me. Yep. Right. Right. Like, and so he's watching me and he obviously can see where I'm sneaking to based right. on like my body angle, my posture. So he has those, the other hunters. Right. Now informed that the buck is there. Right. So, and 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 they, I just had to turn around. I could see they're on the they're on the ridge right above me, just watching. Mm-hmm. So the pressure's on me. I, if there wasn't other hunters there, my strategy would have been different. Right. I would have snuck in and saw. Oh, I don't have a shot at this buck. I'm gonna back out. Yep. And try to come in on him when he gets up to move for the right. evening, right afternoon, right. But because I had those these other hunters yep. over my breathing down my neck, yep, I felt the need to make it happen then. Yep, and that that pushing the envelope is what got me blown out when that wind shifted. Yep, yep, um, and, and that's so, and that's you bring up a great point there because when they're you know when you're hunting public. And it's a buck that other people or a bull, whatever that other people are hunting, and 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 it's a sought after animal. And you're in a position where it's like, okay, I've either got to hit the game winner, or somebody else may throw a sixty yard bomb and end up killing this buck 
this evening or tomorrow or whatever. Um, and that's it. You know, it, it's almost like it, it's, you got no timeouts, fourth quarter, 10 seconds. You got, you have got time for one play. You're either going to go for a touchdown or you're like, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to go into overtime, but in overtime, you don't know what's going to happen. So, right. and, and it's so competitive out there. I mean, I, I can't say that I would have done anything different than what you did there because you're right there. It's 50-50. It's either going to end really good or end really bad. If you back out, you know, you might not be the guy that gets back on him in the evening or one of the other guys starts to make a play and then blows the buck up. Well, now you're like, shit, I was in range. I should have just stayed. You know, it, it's there's so many variables in that, which is what makes it so tough. Right. Yeah. And, and it, and it's definitely frustrating, but, um, you know, I don't have, I think I'd rather do that than hunt yeah. easy relaxed animals on private land. Yep. And, and not that it's a slam dunk, but, um, I mean, I know whitetails are very wary even on yep. private, but, oh, yeah. but, oh, but yeah. mule deer tend to be a, quite a bit different. Yep. Absolutely. Um, private versus public. And, and, and I, I, I do all, I choose to hunt these animals because, my biggest thing is I love learning mm-hmm. and I, I, like killing is my least priority. Like, honestly, I hate killing them. Um, every animal I've killed, whether it's a duck or something, I hate killing it. I don't, I don't kill anything unless I'm going to eat it. Yep. Um, the biggest thing I, I, I enjoy out of this is learning. Yep. So, um, hunting these heavily pressured public land animals that are at the, the top age class mm-hmm. is, is just, so intriguing to me because that that there's so much to learn from them. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're the smartest animal on the mountain, and and working now. Speaking of smartest, biggest animal on the mountain, the last two years you've killed arguably the two biggest bulls in that unit, and we're working now. As this story goes, we're now going into September, so. You know, you end up killing, spoiler alert, um, people are going to see the cover art for this. You end up killing, or if they've already seen your Instagram, you know, you kill another mega giant uh, bull elk, probably arguably the biggest bull in the unit again. You killed one one like that last year. You did it again this year. Um, Did you know about that bull or kind of how's that start? Because, I mean, a big mature bull like that, is no easier to kill than one of these giant bucks. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's the same, you know, it's a needle in a haystack. It's a one in a million. It's the same deal. Only now it's a different animal. And, and now we're working into, uh, okay, it's time to go hunt these bulls that are getting ready to rot. Right. So, so over the years I've, I've gained enough knowledge, I guess you could call it, um, or Intel to, to understand, look, September can be a rough month. For hunting mm-hmm. deer on this mountain. Yep, uh, I would agree with they're, that. They're in a mix still of high country living, but shedding their velvet. Yep, and and heavily and heavy pressure. So yep. they're they're not really running the same game plan anymore. Um, it's just tough. And the elk are now, like you said, they're in the rut. So I've noticed my best ch- my best odds are just to say, hey, I'm going to step back from mule deer. Yep go hunt these bulls while they're in the rut and I have my best opportunity at taking one of them Yep. and then come back to hunt these mule deer in October. Yep. So I decided I'm going to go hunt elk 
I've spent a lot of time, years, learning the behavior of these bulls, um, migration routes, and their rut patterns. So um, I think it was around September 5th, which was a little early um, for the rut, but they definitely are they're acting up at that point. I started hunting bulls. I didn't know the bull I ended up killing uh, was up there. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't even in my mind going into this season. Yep. I, I had... I'd say two or three bulls picked out that I, I picked their sheds up for two to three years mm-hmm. now um, that I had in mind. And, and those were my target bulls going into the hunt. But um, I knew it would be pretty dang hard to get one of them. So I just started my, my days um, running ridgelines, glassing, li- listening for bugles, um, looking for cows because mm-hmm. I knew wherever the cows are, that's where the bulls are. Uh and kind of started my hunt off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I got on a couple bulls. I actually did turn up one of my target bulls. Nice. Uh, early in early in September, uh, I got close to him. Just just uh, no shot. That's that the 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 struggle with rutting elk isn't isn't like the struggle with rutting mule deer. Right. Or I mean, sorry, with high, with early season mule deer. The struggle with rutting elk is they're moving constantly. Oh, yeah. They have 10 to 20 sets of eyes yep. at once. Yep. And um, on this particular mountain, they're never in the same spot um, twice. Right. And a lot of times they go to private property. Yep. So those are the struggles with this hunt. Um, so I did locate my one of my target bulls, I got in range of him, uh, one time, but, uh, no shot. And then he ended up moving on to private mm-hmm. to probably spend the majority of the rut. So I kind of gave up on him. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, for probably three weeks, two weeks, I, I played the game of running ridges, glassing, getting on elk. Some would be on private, have to let them go. Some would give me a shot or give me a chance. And I just couldn't get a shot off. Mm-hmm. Uh, until finally, I believe it was, oh, I can't remember the day, but somewhere around September 23rd, I glassed up this bull uh, on a piece that I could hunt and early in the morning, and I decided I was going to go make a play on him that evening. So I I backed out from the area I was, and it was a whole new hike, a whole new drive, everything, so got ready, got my food, and I headed in for that evening. Um, typically, with these elk, they're active from about ooh, the last couple hours of light on. Yep. So I got in there an hour early from where I'd last seen the bull. Typically with elk, it's they, they move uphill to bed. They come downhill at night. Yep. So I got below the bull and far enough away that my thermals wouldn't go to him. And I just waited, and my my strategy was I, I I don't call when I'm on this mountain because the hunting pressure is so heavy that they're pretty call shy. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I've so, I've had a lot of days on that mountain where I have seen fifteen to twenty other people hunting elk the same time as me, and out of that fifteen to twenty, all but maybe one. I watched or heard bugle a lot. Um, right. it, it, everybody loves to call. 
And that's one thing that I've learned hunting that unit is I cannot even remotely hunt it like I would hunt Wyoming backcountry or Colorado backcountry or even Idaho that I've hunted, New Mexico. Um, that is a totally, totally different style of elk hunting. My philosophy is always, you know, don't be seen, don't be heard, don't be smelled. Um, I, 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 yeah, very, 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 very rarely do I ever make a peep. And I know that's how you play the game out there too. And just trying to like set the scene for people. Um, you know, when Martin says it's pressured, I mean, I'm talking multiple days that I've hunted out there in the last three years with an elk tag where I have seen 15 to 20 plus people in that day. Um, that's, that's not some rarity by any means. So that's kind of what you're up against. Um, as far as the whole call thing, you know, uh, it's worse than the mule deer with pressure. Oh yeah. Because because this tag isn't a draw tag. This is over the counter. Over the counter. Yep. So so even though the, the deer tag is general, you can draw, you know, fairly easily. Yep. This tag, anybody can buy one. There's no limit. Yep. And you can hunt them for four months. Yep. Yep. And and <laughs> so, the, the state of Utah absolutely loves to take your non-resident $598.62 for that tag. They will absolutely take it every single time. Trust me. They love to take mine. They'll love to take yours and they won't turn you away. Right. So, so yeah, there's the animals that they... <laughs> It's just almost it's an, it's another impossible feat, but but fortunately with the bulls, like instead of one target animal, yep. there's you know there's maybe five or six yep. for me yep. that I would hunt. So a little bit better odds, I guess, because of that. So right. I get in on this bull, and uh, I know, hey, I'm just gonna. So when I glassed him up that morning, there was cows and a couple other bulls. Yep. And so I figured, okay one of these bulls is going to bugle and it's probably going to be the herd bull. Right. Um, because there's competition in here. So there's a chance that I might have some rut activity, which that's always the best, um, for getting in on elk because they're distracted. They're making noise. Um, they're, they're, they're definitely still on edge, but they're a little more gullible and easier going. So, um, I just told myself, I'm going to wait for that first bugle. Mm Mm-hmm. To tell me where they're at. Yep. And then I'm going to go straight at them. Yep. So that's what I did. Um, I sat down uh, about 45 minutes later. I heard the first bugle. I, so I took off, got into a position where I figured the elk would come out of. There mm-hmm. were some thick trees on the ridge line mm-hmm. coming down to a small clearing on the, the, the spine of this ridge. Yep. Or, or a decent clearing, but kind of a narrow one. Um, so I got into position there, and the two bulls that I had seen, the two smaller bulls, came out to me. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> this is where, like, we kind of talk. Like, most people would be launching arrows, like, the second they saw them. One bull was a, a six-point kind of goofy with a, a with his pedicle, like, a little offset. Mm-hmm. He had a unique antler growth, but he was a six-point. And then the other bull was a six-by-five. Yep. Um great archery over the counter bulls. Like, oh yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't fault anybody anybody for shooting one. Um but it just wasn't my goal. Yep. My goal was 
to shoot one of these larger bulls that are on the mountain um, and hold out. So I had one bull at 60 yards, one bull at 15 yards, and he even worked to 10 yards at one point. Oh, damn. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I had the the wind shifted just per- at the perfect time to where it was in my face. And it's funny, if you don't move and you have the wind in your face, you can get real close to these animals. Oh, yeah. So he, the, the six by five, he came out all muddy from a wallow, dripping and dripping in mud and, uh, bugled right in my face. And I was, I was definitely debating on shooting, but I knew it just wasn't my goal. Yep. Um, so I waited and those two kind of like branched off and went their separate ways for the evening. And, uh, that's when I heard one more bugle come from the pine trees and I knew that was going to be the herd bull. Yep. So I, I made my move. I worked down the ridge a little bit more and uh, got, my, got my eyes on him. And he, like I said, he was a bull I, I hadn't had any history with. But a beautiful um, six by seven, giant thirds, a great frame with a little extra on his right side. Yep. Uh, he gave me a shot. It, it, the shot was a little further than I'd, I'd like. It was about right at my max. Yep. Um, that I feel comfortable shooting, but I knew it would be my only chance. Uh, he gave me a shot at 70 yards and I took that, took it. Um, and then the rodeo started. (laughs) So he kind of jumped my string because he was, he was on edge as he was coming out into Uh the clearing. Yep. He was, he was making sure the coast was clear before he just came running out. Right. Uh, so he dumped my string a little, and it could have been a little bit of a bad shot plus that, but it was enough that with him moving, I hit him in the guts. Yep. And for, I mean, anybody that bow hunts, they know that's a terrible uh, thing. But for on an elk especially, like oh yeah, those things are made of iron. Yep. <laughs> they can cover so much, so much country before that would kill an elk, you know, before that would actually kill a bull. Right. It's and and with no blood to track, um, it, it's yeah. th- that's almost a scenario where you got to try to stay with him and hope to get another arrow in him. Yep. So that's why I end up calling this bull Iron Man, or part of the reason. Um, I hit him in the guts, and he takes off running, and immediately all these I'm pushing, trying to uh, press back all these negative emotions that are oh yeah almost overwhelming me in that moment, and. It sounds cliche, but I get a lot of messages um, of people throughout the season sending me their blood trails and yep. telling me about how they're, what they, where they hit an animal and what they do looking for advice. And I just remember hearing a, a lot of people's stories that had gut shot animals and they waited. Mm-hmm. And they never found their animal. And so I told myself, I said, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to run. I'm going to run and catch this bull. I don't like, I don't care what it takes. I'm not going to let him sit and lose him. Yep. Because they're like, especially with it becoming evening, if it gets dark and he has 12 more hours to do oh, whatever yeah. he wants, yep. it could be impossible. Yep. He could end up on private property and I never find him or, you know, something, just too many variables. So I yep. ran at the bull. I, I caught up to him. Luckily, he he ran towards one of the smaller bulls yep. that had passed me earlier that evening, 
and that stopped him. So I caught up to him and I, I start working my way in and I get to about 45 yards from the bull and he can hear me coming towards him, but I have, I have no option. Like I can't yeah. sneak. I got to right. go. Right. This, this freaking elk turns, looks at me. He thinks I'm another bull and puts his head, head down and lets a giant bugle right in my face. Oh shit. Like, almost, almost like saying, Hey dude, like, I'll, I'll beat you up if you come over here. Um, cause he thought I was a bull making all right. this noise come yep. towards him. Yep. And I was like, dude, this freaking elk just got shot in the gut and he's ready to fight and, and that's awesome. Live his life. Yep. Like that's what crazy. A crazy. Crazy tough animal. Yeah. Like if I got shot in the gut, I'd be rolling on the ground crying and, and how could you, you know, like, right. Right. <laughs> this guy's just ready to live his life. Right. So, he's, re- he's ready to kick your ass. Yeah, like he's like, I'll I'll put my my tines in your gut, see how it yeah. feels. <laughs> yeah, right. So, Come on over here, so, Martin. Come check yeah, this out, yeah. big boy. <laughs> so he lets out a bugle. I I'm trying to get a shot, but it's just too thick. Um, from like if I could just break this clearing, I'd be able to shoot. Right. But then at that point, he'd see me and run. Mm-hmm. So I have to. I make a new. I make a new approach with time running down. I'm I'm in my last probably 15 minutes of daylight. Um, I spook him a little, but I, I can at least keep a visual on him and mm-hmm. I run with him. And we're just kind of parallel in each other. Um, we've probably covered 400 yards at this point um, from shot one to now mm-hmm. where we're at. And knowing the layout of this land, I have one more clearing coming up that we, uh, where I would be able to get a shot to. So I beat him to that clearing, assuming he's going to go there. Right. Right. And get set up for a shot. Um, now in the last probably minutes or seconds of light. And, uh, I set up, set my pin at 60. I have a true or ultra view site with the, the glow. Mm -hmm. So I set glow up, um, because now it's, it's getting, it's pushing it. And, uh, the bull, he comes out, I don't even range him, but I assume 60 yards and he gives me one more shot and I was able to connect on that shot and, uh, hit him hard. That's awesome. We both, we both pick up, run together again. And, uh, he tumbles dead, dead at my feet. Oh man. So it was, it was, and I know it's hard to describe. I do have a YouTube video out of the hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, if you guys want to watch it, but, it really was like it was you i had to flip a switch into a whole other mode oh yeah to get that done like yep i'm talking running with the elk yep full speed through the pine yep. trees through the mountain like yep it was an incredible experience to uh and i'm a lot came together like luck and good blessings or whatever for yep. that bull to give me that second shot absolutely but it was just a cool experience absolutely no, that is, I mean, that's, and, and it's, you know, you guys are going to see the cover art photo. Um, you can go to Martin's. You should definitely watch the video. Um, just like all the rest of Martin's videos, just a total, totally badass film that he puts together when it comes to, to that elk hunt, just like last year's. Um, but I got to ask you, so giant mule deer, giant bull, what's, what's harder to kill? 
and I and I think I already know where you're what you're gonna say, but I just I, I'm I'm curious. So is it harder to kill a big bull out there on the front, or is it harder to kill a giant bull, biggest bull on the mountain versus biggest buck on the mountain? What what what's harder to kill? Man, um, I don't know if I could say that exactly, but I'll say this. I will say a general mule deer mm-hmm. is easier to kill than a general elk. Okay. A general elk is harder to kill than a general mule deer. Okay. Like we're talking yep. two-year-old to five-year-olds yep. or six-year-olds. Yep. Um, you want to shoot a buck like that, that's easy. I see those every day. They're not that scared. Yep. But an elk, elk hate people. They yep. absolutely hate people. Like they – you might see them in private, and they're running around by roads and stuff, but public land elk absolutely hate people, mm-hmm. and they want nothing to do with them. So an average bull is harder to kill than an average buck. Okay. But I think killing a 200-plus-inch mule deer is harder than killing, you know, a, a large elk or okay. a 340-plus yep. bull. That's fair. That's And that's yeah. kind of – I like the way you broke it down into a two to five year old bull and buck versus the biggest buck versus the biggest bull. I, I like that. I like how you broke that down. But okay, all right. I I like that. I like that. I, I would say I would probably have to agree with you. I mean, and now I'm talking in general. Yep. Um, there's a lot of other things that can come into play, like late season elk. Like oh. you've experienced, Oof. is miserable. We're talking right yep. now. We're in. We've got um, hip deep snow. Yep. in spots these bulls are living at uh on top of peaks in that snow yep 12 degree weather yep. like that's very difficult and and honestly almost impossible yep um so like there are different levels but i i'm always speaking in general when i say these things so that's kind of what i would go with nope i like it i like that i, I had to ask that because I, I think that's interesting you know that that's interesting now so i know because i'm good buddies with you and get to follow closely with you via social plus text and calls and different things. And I, and I got to hunt, you know, I got to see you whenever I was out in Utah early and kind of knew your schedule, but you go right into, you're chasing the giant buck. You, you almost kill him. A couple weeks later, you kill the, arguably the biggest bull on the mountain. And within what, a few days, you and Connor's now, you guys are heading to Wyoming on a great mule deer tag, rifle tag. Right. So we did, we actually did, um, we actually did go to Wyoming in mid September for the opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. So, okay. So you were actually yeah. out there twice then basically. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I did leave that out. I, 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 we went to Wyoming and it was funny, Connor, we had this conversation. Connor said, Hey dude, uh, on our way back, um, to Utah, he goes, Hey man, like, I know you want to kill and hold out for like, and a big, the biggest animal you right, can, but right. if like, think about the content, like look at these other guys that do YouTube and they're shooting like very average or small animals, mm-hmm. but they're getting great engagement because it's, it's good content. Right. And he's like, so he's like, I don't think you have to, uh, necessarily hold out if, if to get good engagement and content, if that's what you're going for. Right. And I told him, I said, dude, <laughs> like, I, I have, I just have no interest in yep. shooting one of these average animals. Yep. Um, like let's be real. We don't need the meat. Yep. Um, 
it's nice. I love it. And it, it but I don't, I'm not going to starve if I don't kill one. Yep. So yep. I have, I have the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I may not set the standards as high as I possibly can. Yep. And, and it's, and it's not because of a number or a score. Right. It's because of the experience I yep. want to capture. Yep. No, Which, I, so, <laughs> I couldn't. And so I told him. I couldn't agree with um, you more on that, Martin. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm in kind of the same whitetail boat right now. Like I don't, this is the first year in probably 15 years. I don't have what I consider a giant or a super old buck right now that I'm targeting. I'm actually knocking on doors and trying to figure out different parcels and different pieces of ground. Like I'm scratching and clawing to find a buck that fits the bill for me. Um, and a lot of guys are like, well, you're a writer, you got the podcast, like you're kind of full-time in the outdoor industry, like just go kill a 140 and be happy. And I'm like, yeah, I, I like it, if it was an eight-year-old 140, I, I could justify like I'd be cool with that because it's like the oldest buck around. But for me just to go kill an average buck that's say three, four, five years old and I know what potential that deer has – right. I just can't physically do that. Um, you know, quote unquote right. killing for content. I know that's not your jam and I can relate to you because for me, that's just not me either. I mean, I just left Utah a week and a half ago and I could have killed umpteen 130 to 150 bucks. Um, some younger bucks that with just really good genetics, um, just some average bucks. And I pretty much, you know, I mean, you know, I, I get to see you and hunt with you and, and things and you kind of know, you know, like that's just not really what I'm looking for. Um, and with right. whitetails, it's even worse because I've got, I've already killed, I've been fortunate enough to kill so many really good bucks that, you know, it's got to be a special animal to honestly get me to the point where I'm like, yeah, I want to hunt him. I want to kill him. That's where I'm at. So like, I know what you mean. Like, you know, I'm not yeah. built to just kill for content and I know you're not either. And I respect the hell out of you for being honest and staying true to yourself. Cause it's not easy because realistically in the business that I'm in, or especially you're in, let's be honest, the more you kill quote unquote for content, usually the bigger, the following, the better it's going to be. I don't think guys get enough credit for holding out, eating tags, sticking to their guns. Hey, I just don't want to kill for content. So I really, truly, like, I respect the fuck out of you for that because that's hard. That's a. It would be easier for you to shoot a 170 and say, well, it's a really good buck. He's only four and a half, but hey, killed a good buck. Here's my content. But that's just <laughs> not what you want to do. And I, I respect the hell out of you for that because that's a hard call to make. You know, your livelihood is now based off of content. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing. Like I, I, I don't, I just, I don't want to say ever that's a strong word, but right, like, right. I, I, I really, really don't ever want to, um, just shoot something for content. Right. Like if that's, right. if that's all it takes for me to make money, then I don't want to make money right. in that industry. Well said. And I don't think well it said. does because, um, I just don't think that's right. Yep. And, and you know, everybody's, uh, subject to their own opinion but for yep. me personally i'm never going to take an animal's life just to say that just so i can pay the bills yep 
Nope. Very that, well said. That's disrespectful as hell to the animal, I think. Yep. And 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 uh, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. Like, what does it say? Oh, I didn't tag out. Like, yep. I'm a twenty. Like, it's like, dude, you're a 35 year old man. You don't got to kill a deer to feel accomplished in life. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yep. I'm 27. I I still feel the same way. It's like, yep. There's there's a bigger meaning behind it, and so I really don't want to just kill to mm-hmm. for content and to say I did it. Nope. Absolutely. Um, so so but going that, so going into kind of going into there, conversation yep. is I said hey man like I said this is my goal and like I'm all right with it if I if I eat a tag I eat a tag but absolutely you know I've I've got the time and I I'm gonna get it done and and then I think it was like two days later I, I is when I killed that bull yep that's awesome so. that's awesome <laughs> now going yeah. in going so going into Wyoming now. What are you looking for? This is not your home state, not your home unit. Um, you don't get to put in all the time in scouting. So, what what are you looking for now in Wyoming? Working into this rifle hunt for bucks, what are you kind of like? I guess where's the standard, or where where are you at with this hunt? Like, what's it going to take um, to get you to pull the trigger and and and, and punch a tag? Right. So. That's where it's tough because, and that's where I need maybe to clarify the the reason I'm hunting, singling out a 220 inch mule deer on this on the unit I started mm-hmm. in because that's my home state. I can yep. hunt the heck out of it. Yep. Um, but I understand that doesn't that doesn't make the deer like old or mature, right? Um, or worthy of being killed. Like yep. there's plenty of deer that just don't have the genetics that will be 175. Yep. And, and that's where they'll top out at, but they're an old mature deer. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with guys shooting those. So my goal going into Wyoming, a unit that I have some knowledge in, but I'm not nearly as experienced in. Right. A and B, I haven't scouted or picked out a particular deer. Right. I'm just looking for the best possible buck I can find that's yep. mature. You know, he's five years old plus um, the biggest one that I've seen, mm-hmm. and, and uh, that's what I'm. That's essentially what I'm going for. Yep. Yep. Um, Two hundred obviously would be nice, but I under like I said, a one seventy five buck can be just as mature. Yep. Um, he just it wasn't blessed with those genetics. Yep. So that's what we were going for. Um, the first trip there, we did not see that. We saw um, very average and young deer. Like we're talking five years old or younger. Yep. And the five-year-old bucks had bad genetics, and that's why they lived that long. Because right. Because no one wanted to shoot them. Right, right, <laughs> and yep. And the younger bucks were just young, and, and it just wasn't what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. And so we held out so going into the second the second trip up there uh we went to a new spot and um we had some more weather it was it was now uh right around first week of october so a little bit more deer activity Mm -hmm. and uh luckily we uh we got into deer right away Mm -hmm. Uh, we sat out one day of a storm and then the next day um we got into bucks we found a good chunk of them nice Uh, there was there was probably five or six bucks in that 140 to 160 range and oh, then nice. uh, and then two bucks um 
that were over 170 that we decided those would be our, our target deer. Yep. Um, and within a day of glassing them, uh, we made a game plan. Uh, the next day went in and we got it done on a double. Ended up taking both of the bucks. I, I snuck in close. Uh, the primary the primary goal was for me to kill, uh, we called him Squid, but this uh, four by five. That was the primary goal, and then Connor was kind of back up at a further distance. Yep. Um, I went in, shot my buck, and the, the other four-point got up, and uh, Connor was able to work himself into a position as that buck kind of retreated and then stopped to look back yep. and scope out what happened. Connor was able to get a shot at that buck, Um and shot him, and he died just a hundred and something yards away from my deer. Which is super cool. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the the photos, like, you know, here's two best buddies with two great mature bucks, like, you know, arguably two of the best bucks in that part of the unit. So it's like just mission accomplished. I mean, like, fucking great story, like, just totally kick-ass trip. Like, I remember, I forget if it was you or Connor that sent me the original photos, and I'm just like, holy shit, they both tagged it. Like, you know, like, I mean, it just, uh, yeah, like, that couldn't have been any more picture perfect, which is just, like, super cool, um, you know, that you guys are both able to experience that and share that together and j- just, like, talk about, like, Mission Impossible turning into, like, the greatest game plan that's ever come together. Like, well, actually, second greatest game plan, because then you guys come back and you get fucking Mowgli killed, which is, like, the greatest (laughs) mule deer game plan that's ever been put together that, like, is orchestrated one out of a million times it's going to work and it works out. But besides that, it's, like, the best plan that could possibly have taken place for you guys. So, like, that had to feel, like, just absolutely great that that all, like, come together that way. I mean, like, what a better, you know, you couldn't have asked for a better hunt with, like, two good buddies two good bucks and and you know you both get them killed like that's freaking picture perfect right yeah i mean originally we were thinking okay well martin you're gonna uh we kind of worked it out because i i'd spotted the buck so i was gonna go after him first yep we kind of worked it out like all right martin you're gonna kill this deer and this evening or tomorrow we'll come back in and hunt the other one right but right to have it double up you know it it, it, it like you oh said, it's it, crazy it any better so we freaking packed up we packed both our bucks out each threw them on our back it was all downhill and went to the truck drove home that night yeah that's <laughs> it, freaking it's pretty it sounds easier than it than right it, i'm making it sound easy but it was it was pretty cool right um but yeah i mean that hunt going back we keep coming kind of back to age class and whatnot and that hunt is that hunt is one that a lot of people used to like really cherish that tag. Oh yeah. It would produce monsters and it it still does, but it's nowhere near what it used to be. Right. And, and this, and I'll tell you why. I mean, there's a lot of tags that get given out first of all, yep, because States love those (laughs) non-resident tags. Oh yeah. But, and I'll, and I'll gladly hunt it. But what I, I think happens is a lot of people go into those hunts with high hopes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to shoot a mature buck. And then they get up there and they realize, wow, like I'm, it almost killed me to get to this spot that I'm at. Yep. Um, so I can't hunt much harder than I already have got done to get here. Right. Um, 
also I'm not seeing these mature deer like I thought I would. Right. The best buck I'm seeing is this this crabby forks four by four point that's three and a half years old. Yep. And I've been up here two and a half days. Yep. And so people, and it, there's nothing wrong with it, but people with that mentality mm-hmm. over the year has really wiped out the age class of the deer. Yep. And and then you throw in some hard winters and winter oh, yeah. kill. Winter kill. And, and, next, and next thing you know, you've got a, a unit that's really hurting or yep. a deer herd that's really hurting. Um, and, and so I understand why people, why people do shoot these younger deer up there. Like we witnessed it firsthand. A lot of guys were tagging out on smaller deer on, on day three or four of their hunt. Because right. It's the best thing they're finding. Yep. But, but I, I guess that's where I'm trying to set myself apart or like think outside the box. And I'm saying, yep. well, like if that's the best I'm finding, then like it just is what it is. I'll video them and, and we'll move on. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to shoot it. Because that's not going to do any help. That's not helping the long term. Yep. Um, right. Like if if you let those bucks go, then next year they come back four and a half, five and a half. Yep. And that's when a mule deer tends to put on his antler sizes at right. five and a half years old. Yep. So if you're after meat, like it's it doesn't matter. But if you are the type, if you're the person that is saying, "Man, there's just not the deer like there used to be," or mm-hmm. I'm just not seeing good bucks. But then you're shooting deer that are four and a half or younger. Yeah. you're the problem. Yep. Sometimes you almost got to look in the mirror and, and ask yourself, "Am I part of this problem that I'm bitching about?" <laughs> and if I am part yeah. of the problem, what do I, you know? And that's where I'm at with like whitetails, for example. You know, I don't want to just kill a buck to kill a buck. Um, I've killed a million of them, and I'm very fortunate for that. And I've worked really hard to put a lot of big deer on the wall a lot's went into that i'm at a stage now where i would rather let you know a four and a half year old 150 walk by that most people would die to have an opportunity at i would rather watch that deer walk out of my life and hope that he makes it because i know what that buck could be in one more year in two more years um and that's just what i choose to do now would i complain if the neighbor a mile away shoots that buck the next day no it's a 150 inch 10 point whitetail it's a freaking great buck i mean i i couldn't fault a guy but like what you're saying if you don't have big deer on your property or you're not seeing big deer on a piece of public and you're one of these guys that's shooting the 125 inch three and a half year old whitetail that walks by every year the first good buck you see you you smoke it, you're kind of a hypocrite because you are the problem like you are part of that and 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 you're right i mean you know you can't bitch about trophy quality and trophy size and all this if you're the guy that's not letting him ever get to that potential i mean it's kind of silly to like complain about it when you're part of that problem so you know i agree with you 100 percent. i mean that is something that you got to kind of look in the mirror at yeah and 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 i i can really only speak to utah just because that's you know my bread and butter that's what i'm experienced but like I can I can say it pretty safely. Like mo- the the narrative here, you talk to most people, it's mm-hmm. deer herd isn't what it used to be. Health right. elk herd isn't what it used to be. Right, age class is down. So there's a lot of things that all 
um, come together to make that yep. problem. Yep. That, that's that's a lot of it's on the state. Yep. Because and, and their choice of how they're managing. Right. Right. Um, the amount of tags they're giving out, late season tags they're yep. giving out. Yep. Spike tags, cow tags, yep. uh, whatever. So a lot comes into that. Then you have your winter, um, the effects of winter. Yep. And you have the also predators. Yep. So looking at that, the only thing I see that us as hunters can control is ourselves and what we shoot. Yep. So, so because the state is going to be fixed in their ways. I'm, I'm beginning to learn that. Like oh, the yeah. state, Utah, they want to kill the deer. They yep. don't want a large, a large deer number. They don't want large elk numbers. Um, yep. It's proven. And that's in, and, uh, so we can't change them. We can't change the weather and we can't change predators. So right. It's harder. Yep. So, the only thing we can do is hold ourselves as hunters to a higher standard. Yep. And and I really do think that five, six years of that would go a long way on a lot of these public land units. Yeah. Nope. I, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I've, I've got to spend a lot of time, hundreds of days over the last four or five years in your home unit. Um, and, you know, definitely. I mean, that, that makes all the difference what you're saying because I see how many – 130 to 150 three and a half and four and a half year old bucks get drug off the mountain or, or I should say packed off the mountain and, and get whacked. And those are deer that if given another year, two, three years, I mean, those are 180 to 200 inch giants that people want to check, you know, but it's pretty hard for one to grow up to be 200 if you kill him when he's 155. I mean, that's just how it works, you know, and, and, yeah. and it's, uh, and I guess sort of wrapping this all together, um, in closing, you know, it, it's not, this isn't for everybody. Um, how I hunt whitetails and where my standards are, how you are out there with elk and mule deer, you know, by no means do I want to come across as if, okay, oh, well, Clinton Martin's saying, yeah, if you're going to be a hunter, you only can chase giants. Cause that's not what, that's not what I'm trying to portray. I know that's what, not what you're trying to portray, but if you are a guy or a gal that wants to chase big bucks and big bulls, you know, and, and you do want to chase giants, um, you know, the narrative here is you, you got to let them get to an age where they can actually be a giant and, and have a chance to be mature and potentially, you know, get up into that 340, 350 plus six by seven, seven by eight caliber bull elk, or, you know, some of these giant mule deer that are two, two twenty, two thirty, two forty. you know, I mean, um, and, and it's, it's, and it's easier said than done. I mean, you know, uh, like for example, this year closing out your season, you chased one buck to the very last day, and I know personally you could have killed numerous 170, 180, probably even 190 caliber bucks, but chose not to because you were hunting one mega giant, and it was either going to be him or you're going to go down swinging. Uh, and that's not yeah. built for everybody. I mean, and and, yeah, I'm, I, and by no means are we trying to tell any of you listeners that if you're going to hunt, you got to be this guy. Because hey, I'll be the first to tell you, it it that ain't for everybody. I mean, flat out, that's not. But right, it is really cool that 
you have chose that path, and it's not because you think you're too good to kill a 170, or I think I'm too good to kill a 150-inch whitetail. Hell, you put a mature seven and a half year old eight and a half year old 150 in front of me right now watch how quick i'd kill it if i know that's the oldest biggest buck around and i know he's like probably past his prime oh i'd kill that deer and be fucking stoked tomorrow yeah but i'm just you know i have not found a super old buck or a buck that's big enough to get me to the point where I want to go kill that deer. And I know that's how you are with mule deer and with elk. And, and hey, everyone's entitled to be that way. It's not easy. It's hard. You, you know, you eat a lot of tags. I eat a lot of tags. And, and we choose to do that. But from a conservation standpoint, you know, your points are super valid. I mean, if you, like you said, if you want big shit to chase... You've got to let animals get big, and that's just the bottom, flat out, black is black, white is white. You know that's the line here. If you want big bulls and big bucks, you got to let them get big. Um, right. And it's easier said than done, you know. But it's you know it's cool to have a guy like you come on and talk about that because I do think there is kind of like we said in the beginning there is kind of that stigma of guys that kind of look at this like oh Martin's too good to shoot a 170 and it's like no that's not that's not what you're saying at all it's just not what you're choosing to do because you're hoping that 170 turns into a 195 the next year and maybe he's a 220 in two years you know you're hoping that buck or bull gets to a point where hey He's one of the biggest bulls and bucks on the mountain, you know, um, and that's yeah. that's it's cool. Yeah, and 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 like with Wyoming, my buck scored ended up scoring, uh, I think one seventy five. Yep, great so buck. Like, something I would pass on my home unit. Yep. But like I said, like I said, a one seventy five is amazing and usually a pretty mature deer. Yep. Um, so like even if people are shooting that like 160 is still a mature deer yep. um, in most cases some yep. can be young with great genetics but, yep. but yep. if um, so I don't I I think that's awesome if somebody shoots that I think there's just um, a great learning experience that comes with hunting an older animal yep and I think there's a lot to gain so even if if your sights just got set a touch higher yep. Um, even even if you, you know that might be a, a 160 buck mm-hmm. i think i think that goes a long ways in a conservation standpoint long term yep uh, and and that that's kind of where i'm coming from there because i i understand a lot of people they have nine to fives and they work absolutely they work all week and they, yep. they can't hunt for 60 days like right. i do right so so that opportunity at that that good buck is is you know they should take that yep um but um, I want my perspective is I want everybody I want those people to have a great experience when they go out for right. five days of the year yep. and see nice nice animals yep. because I I have sixty days to hunt a year I will I will find a nice animal no matter what yep but like I want these I want the average guy to see nice animals when they only have five days to hunt yep. that year absolutely. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. Absolutely. And, and that, like I said, it's, it's a really cool perspective that you have on chasing giant animals because it's from a conservation standpoint first. It's not just, hey, I'm Martin. 
I want to put big shit on my wall. And, and I think that's where a lot of guys get lost in the, oh, he only, you know, because guys will look at like Devin Leonard, for example. Oh, well, Devin turns his nose up at 180 mule deer. No, Devin loves to look at mule deer bucks, no matter how big they are. Devin has killed so many big giant bucks that he would rather let those smaller bucks live, grow, watch them, learn, etc. If it's not the biggest buck on the mountain or the oldest buck on the mountain, Devin's not interested because Devin is at a point where he doesn't need to just, oh, kill for content or kill to kill. Devin wants to match wits and beat the oldest, biggest buck on the mountain. And, and if like this year, you know, I got to hunt with Devin quite a bit in the rut and he didn't really have a mega giant he was chasing. He was chasing a really, really respectable, what most would call a giant. But to Devin in the antler department, it, it, it wouldn't have been in his top five, but it was a super old buck, a super cool buck. That was probably eight, nine year old deer. Um, probably as big as that buck was going to be probably in the one nineties. And he would have been stoked to kill that buck. Um, because yeah. he knew it was a super old buck and it was the, the oldest deer, you know, that he had found most mature, but would it have been antler wise? Oh, it wouldn't have been in his top five, not even close to his top five actually. And so, you know, there's, there's a different level there of, of, you know, everyone's got their own deal. And Hey, if a guy shoots a three and a half year old, um, 140 inch whitetail and, and it's the best, biggest deer of their life. And, and they're stoked about it. Hey, I'm, I'm stoked for you too. You know, I want people to shoot what makes them happy and, and people to be proud of what they kill. And, and Hey, that's great. You know? Um, but it is cool to talk to somebody that is looking at chasing giants from the perspective that you have. I just, you know, like I said, I really respect the hell out of you for sticking to your guns. I know how hard you hunted for this mule deer in Utah. You went down swinging season ends. Um, I just read one of your posts, you know, you're almost kind of relieved at this point. Cause you can kind of relax a little bit now, now that the season's over, it's almost like, Okay, I didn't accomplish my goal. I didn't kill this buck, but now you can almost sort of relax a little bit. Like that's got to feel good. I mean, yeah, it'd have been better to kill the buck, but now at least you can kind of like, okay, well, season's over. I'm not chasing this buck now. You've kind of got some time to like, sort of like revamp yourself and then get ready for next year and hopefully find that buck. And then the process starts all over again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and like, like I, like I kind of, I don't know if we said it, but I didn't, I didn't see that deer after blowing him out opening day. Yep. I never saw him a single time after that. Yep. Which now, is crazy. That could be because that could be because he's a mountain lion turd right now. Like he could yeah, be dead. Absolutely. But he could also be alive, and that's how smart they are. And absolutely. Sixty days of hunting, I did not see him again, and uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm relieved because. Also, I like I said, I love these animals. Like I'm yep. glad, I'm pissed off. The hunt is four months long. Like I, I wish it ended earlier because I want these animals to relax. Um, and so I'm glad that the animal gets to relax to an extent. Um, yep. I'm glad that I get to relax, but I'm also, I'm gonna start the process now. The process oh, yeah. starts. Yep. So I've already been out every day since the season, watching for winter range deer now yep so 
the process has already re-begun, but it, it's nice to almost get to, to uh, start from scratch again. Absolutely. And, and uh, lock in, better your better my craft as an archery hunter, you know, shoot yep. my bow, learn my, my, my material, my, my equipment better. Yep. And, uh, come into the summer with a whole new attitude. Absolutely. Well, Martin, give, give us a rundown. Where can people find all your content? Where can they go watch these videos? Cause you know, I, I really, you do a great job. Um, always have always will of portraying the, the entire experience of these hunts, what goes into them, not just showing the, what leads up to you killing a buck or a bull, but, but just everything that it kind of encompasses. So, where can people find all your content? Where can they kind of go to support you? And, and, and honestly, I mean, there's a lot to learn from a guy like you, um, from not just a content standpoint, but from a conservationist, um, from like an educational standpoint, you know, you do a very good job of, of really trying to interact with your followers and kind of your fan base and teach people or help people as best you can. So, where can people go? Give us our, give us kind of your rundown on, on where people can go find everything. Cause you've got a quite a few places where you've got content nowadays. Yeah. So, um, Instagram, I try to be very, uh, engaged with any message. Mm-hmm. I typically get back to everybody, uh, on Instagram. Good That's and Mark. Good and bad. Go yeah. Good, yeah, good yeah, and bad. <laughs> yeah. I'll butt, I'll butt heads with you if you want, if you want to do it. Um, it's Martin underscore Chag, C H A G, is my Instagram. Um, again, if you have questions, that's probably the best way to to message me and yep. contact me. Uh, keep up on the day to day things that I'm doing. Yep. Um, right now, it's kind of moose sheds and looking for moose in the winter. Yep. Um, but if you want to catch my full adventures, like see my hunts, uh, especially from this fall, I have both of them up as of now. Yep. You can look look me up on YouTube just under my name, Martin Chag or Martin Chaginovich. Uh, I just go by my name on all my accounts. Um, that that's those are the two main things I share to you. Then of course my website for for gear and merchandise is is linked uh, in the bios of those accounts. So you can always go there, Chag Outdoors. Perfect. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then you've got kind of like all like your your sponsored um, as far as like you know um, relationships via gear and different companies you work for. That's all actually on your website. People can go check that out. You know, I know you've got some codes and some links there um, that that you know are able to kind of give you a little bit of a kickback. You can cut people some deal with that. You're getting a little bit of a kickback, so it kind of works you know both ways there. Those are all on the website, right? Yeah, so they're they're linked in my Instagram bio. You can go okay. to the link tree there, and cool. uh, I have a list of my partners, uh, codes. Any any of that stuff helps me. It helps them. Yep. Um, and uh, we really appreciate your support. Absolutely. Now, are you running a Christmas or a holiday special for your OnlyFans account? Are, are we going to spice it up and run like a "Hey, you get a one week free" type of thing, or are we not doing? <laughs> is that not a thing this year? I know last year you tried it and it's very successful. Is that is that another? Are we doing that this year? Because I was, I mean, I was going to jump on board there. I need to get mine renewed anyway. You know, the girlfriend put an end to that. So, God damn. Um, gosh, yeah. Damn. All all good things yeah, so. all good things do come to an end, they say. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well so, Martin, yeah, no links there. Well shit. Well I guess I guess it was great while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. Martin, hey, 
I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's always fun, man, to get caught up with you. Like I said, respect the hell out of what you stand for and what you do. Um, the content and, and more importantly, just, you know, being a good buddy and a good friendship is, is, is definitely my main, uh, the main thing that, you know, I, I, I love about you and I, we always have a hell of a good time, but, um, yeah, man, can't thank you enough for coming on. Like I said, it's, uh, it's really cool to follow along and definitely, you know, you're one of the guys out there that, I personally, you know, can vouch for, um, you know, people hear how much you're on the mountain, how much you hunt, how much you do. And I'm sure guys are like, oh, yeah, I bet that's, yeah, I bet he's out there that much. I mean, I genuinely can vouch and know how much you put into it. And hard work pays off. You had a hell of a year. Um, man, super stoked, super proud of you. You, you definitely, um, I know the, the phrase has been kind of thrown around over the years. Oh, he doesn't kill anything. He's only in pictures of others that kill. And it's like, yeah, man, it's pretty hard. Last two years, it's pretty rough to make that claim. I mean, you've uh, <laughs> you, you've definitely yeah. silenced some people with um, with your, you know, you and Connor both have definitely silenced the the, the critics a little bit on that. So uh, I'm uh, I was definitely uh, I was silently uh, kind of sitting back and. Um, watching how those comments weren't thrown around as much this year because you definitely uh like i said hard work pays off and you had a hell of a year and i know you're chomping at the bit to get back after that buck next year um man i would if he's still alive and if a four-legged or a two-legged cougar hasn't choked him out yet i would hate to be that fucking buck because i know you've already got the wheels of spinning for 2023 oh yeah he's he's already dead if I just need the date to come, right? There you go. There you go, no, my man. I, yeah, well, hopefully he's alive. We'll see. I mean, who knows? But yeah, God willing, I'll. Uh, it's only going to keep getting better. I think I've got I've got some big plans with this. I just started two years ago being full time. Yep. So, um, and things have just been amazing ever since then. So, yep. Uh, yeah, God willing, we'll just keep going. Well, absolutely, my man. Well, hey, like I said, uh, super pumped. For you, proud of you, and uh, we'll definitely, uh, definitely have to get you back on. Um, hopefully, uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing some moose, uh, moose paddles here in the near future. We, we definitely need to. Uh, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a shed episode um, in the spring at some point because I don't know many guys that that uh, are even close to the mileage you put on, and I'd love to do a shed episode and just kind of talk about. How, yeah, the the miles and the hours you put into that game—that's that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother episode. But we're gonna have to do one of those because that's pretty freaking interesting. What all you got no. going on during shed season? Yeah, I think honestly, I think it'd be a great one uh, for information on guys that 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 haven't done it or yep. want to do it or to enlighten some folks. Uh, yep. I think I think we should. So. Absolutely, let's plan on that, Martin. Thanks again for everything. You guys know what to do. Don't fucking settle. We'll catch you next week. Can you say the letter C? CNC Hunt Files.